Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Well, it is such a pleasure to be here this morning, and I want to thank uh, each of you, especially uh, Pastor Randy and Jan, uh, but also each of you for your just your extreme hospitality. Uh, it has been so much fun being here this week. Uh, uh, I uh, used to be an FSU fan, and then Tim Tebow came along, and he kind of won me over. Uh, but after being here this week, I'm almost back to liking FSU. I want you to know that. I'm not quite there, but I'm getting real close, all right? Another day or so, and I think, I think I'll be there. But thank you for your extreme hospitality. Thank you for making us feel at home. My wife, Loretta, is here with me. Darling, would you stand, please? This is my trophy wife right here. And so we're just, we, we've had a blast. She's on her way back to West Palm today. I'm headed to Minneapolis. I think it's uh, uh, six below up there right now. So I've got my little light jacket. Uh, I should, uh, I hope I'll be okay. But thank you again. And for you guys that are missionaries, I'll say it again. I'm a missionary wannabe. I told James today I have a heart for missions. I don't have a stomach for it. Uh, but I just, I have just the highest, highest, highest respect for you. And in a moment when you have an opportunity to come and, and uh, express what you're going to be doing this next year, not only for the missionary project, but also to help these guys, please, please understand who it is, uh, who it is you're going to be looking at, who it is you're approaching. Please understand what a, what a, what a great opportunity this is to show your love to God Show your love to this world, for this world, and to do what he's told you to do. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9? Revelation 5, verse 9. I want to talk to you this morning about the vision. The vision. You, you could call it the end vision. God gave John a vision. He wrote down the vision that he saw. We call that vision the book of Revelation. Uh, in that vision, on the front end of it, John found himself in a throne room. And many of the songs that have been sung this morning talk about what's going to happen in that throne room. It's heaven's throne room. Look at Revelation 5, verse 9. John said, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood, by your blood... Good night, the blood of God, Acts 20. By your blood, you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and ethnicity. That's the word. And you have made them, <laughs> it's incredible, a kingdom priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth James that little Muhammad and the other guy I forget his name uh, they'll reign on the earth one day lost his wife but he's a king then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads 
and thousands of thousands, in other words, an unlimited number, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Oh, what a day that's going to be. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. The king appeared. The chorus broke out. The next thing John knew, he said, the elders fell on their faces like raindrops hitting the ground. And ladies and gentlemen, one day we will be there and we will do the same. We will hit the floor. We will worship. And on our faces, down at his feet, on our faces at some point, oh my, we will see them. Those nail-pierced feet. I mean, you're going to be flat on your face before that throne, but you'll look up just slightly, and there you will see them, those nail-pierced feet. And you will realize, he did it all for me. He did it for me. The blood of God shed so I could be forgiven of my filthy, worthless life. He did it for me. We shall behold him and we shall worship him. At that moment, the crowns come off our heads. They are hurled at his feet and we begin praising him all over. At some point in that throne room, John noticed that there were people there from everywhere and we will notice the same. At some point, we will not just look at his feet, but we'll look to our right and we'll look to our left. And we will begin to realize that there are people there from every color in every uh, culture. Randy, as you said last night, it'll hit us. God's not an American. At some point, we'll realize they are there red, yellow, black, white. They really are all precious in his sight. We will notice that there are people there from every language group, every nation, every ethnicity, every family group, every people, every tribe, from every corner of the earth. They're all there. And one by one, people will begin to stand and uh, will give testimonies of praise. They will come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and from the islands of the sea to praise him. We will, we will sit there in amazement as we hear the stories of how people were saved by grace. At some point, an elder from one of the people groups of Asia will step forward, and he will tell the story how he and his people came to be saved by grace. Perhaps he will say something like this. Perhaps he will say, both I and all of our people worship idols, spirits, demons, and we had been worshiping them for thousands of years. We were lost. We were without God. We were without hope. We were blinded by the evil master, and we were living in bondage and fear of him. But one day, messengers with beautiful feet, oh, their feet were so beautiful. They crossed the mountains, and they came to us. 
And they told us about this great one God who loved us and who, who, who gave his son that, so that we would not perish. They told us, they told us of his love and of his blood and of his, of his grace. And now here we are, hundreds of thousands of us in this room, hundreds of thousands of us, we are now his blood-bought children. He has made us to be a kingdom. And priests, those who worship demons, are now priests in his holy kingdom. And we are here now praising him, and we will praise him forever and forever and forever. Perhaps the one seated upon the throne will raise his hand, and when he does, there's nothing but silence in heaven. Perhaps he will open his mouth and look at the elder and say, Tell me, elder, who are the ones who sent those with beautiful feet to tell you of my love? Tell me about the ones, those who, who sent the beautiful feet messengers to you. The elder with bowed head responds, My master, they were our brothers and sisters from far away from a world that we had never even heard about, much less seen. But somehow they heard of us. They heard of the darkness that we lived in. They heard of our plight. They heard how that we were born in hell and live in hell and our people were dying and going to hell. And for some reason, for some reason they cared for our souls. And they began to pray for us. They began, to, they began to gather their offerings together and they gave sacrificially so that we could hear. They believed your words that you were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And because they loved you and because they loved us, they prayed and they gave. And some of them even gave their sons and some gave their daughters and some kissed their grandchildren goodbye. And they came with their beautiful feet. And that's why. We are here in your kingdom today. Perhaps the one seated upon the throne will speak again, this time with a voice that sounds like the rushing of many waters, with a voice that shakes the mountains, with a voice that literally strips the bark and the limbs off the trees. Perhaps he will say, who are these ones who cared for your souls? Who are these people who prayed for you? Who are these people who gave their sons and their daughters? Who are these people who gave their offerings and their prayers and, 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 and they prayed so for your souls? Who are they? Bring them before me. I want to see them right now. Have them step forward. And so you stand. North Florida Baptist, and so you stand. From all over that throne room you stand. Some of you will be here and some here and some there. And one by one you make your way before the great king. The great king seated upon the throne. As you approach him, your head bows before the beauty of his holiness. And you speak to him one by one. One by one you approach his throne and you bow and he looks at you and he says, rise up, stand. And you, your eyes look into his eyes and perhaps you say something like this, Lord, I was just a single mom. Had a bunch of kids. My husband left me. It was all I could do to put food on the table every day. But my pastor told me about these people. He told me how lost they were and how they needed you and my heart broke. And I went home and I talked to my kids and we tightened our belts a little bit and we scraped out a little bit more to give. I, I did the best I could do. And I'm so glad now that I did. 
Perhaps an old woman, or at least a woman who had been old. She's not old anymore. A woman who had been wrinkled up, but she's not wrinkled anymore. That woman steps forward and says, I was a widow. I was living on a fixed income, and there was just so little I could do. But I went home, and I thought it through, and I prayed, and I, I, I found a little bit more I could give, but more than that, I prayed. Oh, how I prayed. Every day I prayed for these people. I gave heaven no rest. One by one, you respond to your master. I gave up my job. I went to their part of the world. I served. I gave them my life. Others say, I gave my sons. I gave my daughters. I kissed my grandbabies goodbye. One by one, you respond to the master, and then it happens. The one that you live to please looks at you with a smile on his face and with joy in his eyes. And he says, well done. Well done. You did what I told you to do. Well done. Now enter the joy of your Lord. And oh, North Florida, listen to me. At that moment, all heaven's going to break loose. There will be nothing but pure glory. All of a sudden, nothing else matters. The house you lived in on this earth won't matter. The kind of car you drove on this earth won't matter. The kind of job you had won't matter. The, the, whether your team won the, the, the championship or finished last, it won't matter. Power and prestige and popularity and fame, none of that will matter because the one who redeems you with his blood is satisfied. He is happy, and that is all that will matter. And I don't know what happens next, but my guess is we'll fall on our faces and worship for at least another 10,000 years. Amen? You say, David, you're dreaming. Well, maybe. Maybe not. This much I'm certain of, ladies and gentlemen. Today we live, tomorrow we die. And after death comes accountability. You see, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of ourselves to God. You say, what does that mean? What is is the meaning of that? What do you mean we give an account of ourselves to God? Have you ever read the parables of Jesus Christ? Each of us have been given what Jesus called talents. You say, what is a talent? Well, in that day, a talent was, a, was, a, was an amount of money. But the idea is uh, talents are resources, property, possessions, opportunities, influence, uh, money. Uh, it's, it, he's given us this stuff. What we have is not our own. It's been loaned out to us, placed in our hands for a period of time. The Bible word for that is stewards. You and I are stewards. Everything we have, everything. My wife is a gift from God. My children are from God. I didn't go to to Walmart and buy them. God gave them to me. Everything I have is a gift from God. It's not ours, it's His. And He places it all in our hands to be invested in His kingdom, to be put to work for Him, His glory, to advance His kingdom. One day, one day He's going to say, Hey, I want to know what you did. With what I loaned you, I want to know what you did. With what I placed in your hands, you'll give an account and be rewarded accordingly. Now with that, several truths. Truth number one, God owns everything. If y'all believe that, say amen. Amen. God owns everything. Psalms 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live within it. God owns everything. Now, uh, I'm driving a, little, a little, uh, little rental car out there from Dollar. 
Uh, daughter thinks they own it. Daughter doesn't own it. God owns it. Uh, I've got a wallet in my back pocket. I got cash in the wallet. I got $25 of cash in this wallet. Now, I can say it's my wallet, but the truth is, though I own the wallet, God owns me. And so that $25 is really not mine. It's really whose? Who owns that $25? God. That's what the Bible... You say, I'm not sure if I believe that. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that everything in this world belongs to God. God owns everything. That's what the Bible teaches. Truth number one. Truth number two, God expects us to use what he's given us to bring him glory to advance his kingdom. That's why Paul wrote, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's why Jesus said, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. God gives us what he gives us for a reason, to use it to tell others about him, to use it to, to, to proclaim the gospel, to use it to advance his kingdom, to make his name famous, as we sang earlier today, to make his fa- name famous all over the world. Look at me, please. Why do you think God's given you what he's given you? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Am I the only one in this room that's ever asked himself the question, why me? Why have I been so blessed? Has that ever occurred to anybody else? Raise your hand if it has. I mean, have you been to Haiti? A couple of years ago, they were eating dirt down there. Some places they probably still are. I mean, dirt. When's the last time you ate dirt? Have you ever asked yourself, why do I have so much? Why me? What did I do? What did you do? To, 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 to be able to be born in a place like you're bo- you were born in and live in a place like you live in and have what you have. Why are we so blessed? Why do you think God's given us such an abundance? Today, all over the world, all over Africa, all over Asia, all over, by the, by the hundreds of millions, men and women crawl out of, have crawled out of bed. And as they are on their way out to the fields to work, back-breaking work under that hot sun all day long, and they don't get coffee breaks, they don't get tea breaks, they, they just work. And with the day, there's one prayer on their, on, on their heart. That one prayer is this, oh God, if you're there, whoever you are, whatever your name is, please, please let me get enough food today to feed my family just today. May I make enough money to buy enough food so I can put something in their mouths tonight before they go to bed by the millions That is their prayer. You and I, our prayer is basically, God, help me to quit eating as much as I've been eating. Do you know why God has given you so much? Is it just to keep for yourself? Has God given you so much so that you will build bigger barns so that you can store and hoard even more? Have you ever asked, why have I been given so much? I'm telling you. Everything belongs to God and what God has placed in your hands, he's placed in your hands expecting, anticipating, desiring that you will take it and use it to make him famous around the world. Truth number three, God will hold us accountable for how we invest his stuff. Romans 14, 12, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. 
I'm going to give an account one day, and you're going to give an account one day. I even believe this church is going to give an account one day corporately. From what I've read in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, it's not just an individual accountability. I think we're going to give an accountability as, as a church family for what we've done with what God has given us. How are you using God's stuff? What are you doing with what he's entrusted into your care? Are you using it to make his name famous where people do not even know who he is? You say, David, what should I do? Very quickly, and I'm going to wrap it up. What should we do? First of all, thank him. Thank him for saving you. Thank him for shedding his blood for you. We hear it so much, it goes in one ear and out the other. Do you understand that the God of the universe stepped off that throne in heaven's throne room and he came to this earth as a little baby and he, li- he's, he lived a perfect life and he died for you? Oh, thank him. From your heart, your, your cry should be, my life is no longer about me. My business, it's for you. My job, it's for you. My home, it's for you. My family, it's for you. My life my all, everything I am, it is for you. Let that, listen, no more selfies, amen? No more selfies. Let it be all about him and his kingdom from this point on. First of all, thank him. Secondly, as Pastor Randy said earlier today, trust him. In a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to express your faith. If you've sat there so far today or maybe in the last week and calculated what you think you can afford to do without any issues, that's not faith. What, 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 what blesses God, what honors God is, is, is when we trust him. Even when we, we can't see the end, even when we can't see the beginning, we just trust him. Look at that number you've written on your card and ask yourself, is this a, is this a step of faith? Is this stretching my faith? Is, is, what I, is what I'm committing to do here with this card, is this going to bring honor to God? Because listen to me, without faith... It is impossible to please God. Does anybody believe that in this room? What should we do in light of this vision that will one day be reality? We should thank him. We should trust him. And finally, we should prioritize him. That is, use everything you've been given, everything to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. North Florida, you can change the world from this room. If 11 men in the upper room and and 100 others can do it, you can do it. You can change the world from this room if Jesus Christ becomes your absolute number one priority. Somebody say amen. Amen. It can be done. Now, there's a cost. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you effort. It's going to cost you money. It may cost some of it your blood. There's a cost. I uh, was in India a few months ago, and uh, there was a team of us there, and I was driving down the road. A young man was leading us, one of our leaders. His name is Daniel, Daniel Burrow. He's a member of the Burrow tribe of Northeast India, the Burrows. And uh, Daniel was driving, and he calls me. He calls me uncle. He said, "Uncle, are you coming to my wedding?" Daniel was getting married in, in March, and I said, "Whoa!" Uh, I said, "You got a picture of your bride? And he's a beautiful girl." I said, "Man, uh, how'd you get? How'd you talk this girl into marrying you?" And he said, "Well, you're coming to my wedding," and I said, well, "Daniel, I live in Florida, and you, you're getting married in India. It's like the other side of the world. Can I just send a gift? I mean, will that be okay?" And he, he said, "No, no, I want you to come. Are you going to come?" And and I, I'm, you know, you know how you, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but you know, I, I was scraping for something to say. 
And, and, and so finally I said, I said, well, Daniel, you don't, you don't need me to be there. There's going to be so many people there. You won't know whether I'm there or not. He said, oh, no, uncle, I need you to be there. He said, I don't think I'll have a lot of people there. I said, how can you not have a lot of people there? You see, he and his father, David Burrow, have planted over 2,000 churches through TTI in the last four years, over 2,000. I said, how can you not have a lot of people at your wedding? You've planted 2,000 churches. You're going to have thousands of people there. He said, no, I don't have many friends. I said, I don't believe that, Daniel. You have to have friends. Uh, he said, I, I said, why don't, why don't you think you have friends? He said, because I don't talk much. I said, you talk all the time. You never stop talking. He said, well, I talk to you, but I don't talk to most people because I, I'm afraid to talk to them. I said, why? He said, I've always been that way. He said, growing up in school, he said, I had no friends because I never talked. I said, why? And he told me the story. I pray I never forget it. He said, uh, when my daddy got saved, David Burrow, good friend of mine, one of our regional directors, he said when dad got saved, he, he'd been a radical Hindu, uh, 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 just a strong Hindu, and God just saved him. And my dad started, he said, daddy started preaching the gospel, and and they beat him. Oh, they beat David. And they burned his house to the ground. Did you hear me? They burnt his house to the ground. Now, his house isn't as nice as your house, but it's his house. It's all he had. And when all you have is burnt to the ground, guess what? You don't have anything left. They burned his house to the ground. They beat him. And they put him in jail. And he said, when my dad was in jail, he said, I was four years old. My little sister was two years old. And he said, my mother one day made some food to take to the jail so that he would not starve. And this is like 30 years ago in Indian jail, northeast India. And they were concerned that he wouldn't get anything to eat. So she made the food and she put it on her back. And, and Daniel said, my mom took me by one hand and my sister by the other hand. And she said, we were walking to the jail. And as we got about a block or so away from the jail, there were people lined up on both sides of the street. They saw us coming. And he said, we had to walk right down the, the, center, the center there, right between the two crowds. And he said, the whole time we were walking on our way into the, into the front door of the jail, he said, people were, 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 were shaking their fists and they were screaming, just screaming at us from both sides. Remember, he's four years old and his sister's two years old and that little mom is holding their hands, walking through into the jail. And Daniel said, we got into the jail and the guard laughed and he mocked and he would not let my mom leave the food for dad. And so he said, we, we had to turn around, we had to walk back through the crowd. And he said, they were still there and they were shaking their fists and yelling and screaming. They were just screaming at us. I said, Daniel, what were they screaming? And here's what he said. Four-year-old boy remembered it. He said, they were screaming, burn them alive. Burn them alive he said uncle from that point on I was afraid to talk I'd sit over in the corner in school I sat by myself at lunch I didn't play with anybody when recess time came I don't have many friends ladies and gentlemen hear me all over this world those who have been given so little are giving back so much. While in many cases, those who have been given so much are giving back 
so little. I could tell you story after story. I was in Nigeria two weeks ago. If you look at a map of Nigeria, just draw a line halfway across east to west. Southern part of Nigeria is Christian. Northern part is under Islamic control. Much of it Sharia law. And in the last year, we've planted 200 churches in that Muslim-dominated uh, part of Nigeria. I was at a graduation with uh, Dr. Bobby Welch. And when the service was over, the, one of our Pauls, one of our district leaders came up and he, he asked, I was talking to him and he told me he came from the northeast uh, quadrant up there that borders Chad. I said, well, some of these students, yours? He said, oh, no, we couldn't bring our students here. It was too dangerous to get them here. I said, well, tell me about what's been going on in your area. The day before we got there, I mean, the day before as we crossed the border, I was in some little uh, booth. They're looking at my passport, and I saw the newspaper on the desk the day before. This was a Monday. On Sunday a, 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 in North Nigeria, a bomb exploded in the church and killed 74 men, women, and children. That's just two weeks ago. I doubt if you even heard about it here. I mean, it's a tough place. And I said, tell me a little bit about what's going on there. Here's what he said to me. This one Paul, this one district leader, he said, in the last year, I have personally buried 25 members of my own church who had been martyred. He said, we have a TTI student who is his church. He's built a little grass hut church. He said, it's been burnt to the ground three times in the past year. He finally quit building it back. He said, my own car, my own house has been riddled with bullets. I said, do you have a family? He said, yes, I have a wife and a couple of children. I said, they've shot up your car, they've shot up your house. He said, yes. I said, how do you guys survive? He said, we run. I said, you must run fast. He said, I run very fast. I could tell you so many stories. What am I saying? I'm saying we have put here, everything we have has been given to us by God. God owns it. He's given it to us. We're supposed to take what he gives us and use it to make him famous around the world. One day we're going to give an account for, for what we've done. It's going to cost us, though, something. It's got to cost us something. Go back to that vision. You're on your feet. You, you're, you're on your face. You look up. You see the nail-pierced feet. It cost him everything to purchase your salvation. It ought to cost us something, ladies and gentlemen. What will you do about it? What have you been given that you can use to make him known among the billions of people that, that, that do not know him today? I'll close with a story. I think it's time for me to sit down. I was in, uh, I, was in uh, I think it was Nepal a few months ago. And I was with a group of people in, in a little village church. We went to this village where there had never been a church in the history of the world. There had never, ever been a church. And there's this little church now. It's about three months old, three, four months old. And we were working with a, with a UPG, uh, an unreached people language group. And, and these people, I mean, brand new believers, I mean, three, four, five months old in the faith. Every one of them had been Hindus. And if you've ever been in a little rural village, Indian or Nepali church, it's not very big, and the women sit on the floor on this side, and the men sit on the floor on this side, and there's no furniture, there's no, there's no instruments, maybe a couple of sticks or maybe a little drum, maybe. And I always ask the, 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 the local pastor, I always say, can your people sing, have them sing some songs for us in their mother tongue, their mother language. Most people there will speak two or three languages. Well, this particular church, they sang a song, and quite frankly, it was not real impressive. And then they sang a second song. I remember turning to the guy next to me. I said, this is the worst singing church I've ever been in in my life. These people cannot sing. And then, I, and then they said, now we're going to sing a song in Nepali. 
which was their second language. And that time they sang really good. They sang a couple of Nepali songs. It was really good. I thought, well, they're a little bit better. And then we did our singing and our teaching and our preaching. And we were getting ready to go. And I said to the host, I said, I I thought, I'm going to give these guys one more chance. I said, can you ask them to sing one more song in their native tongue? And so the, my translator is speaking to the local pastor and they're, they're talking back and forth. I mean, it just went on and on forever and ever. I mean, all out, the question was, can you sing one more song? I mean, it, it should be a yes or a no. And they just went on, on and on, on and they just talking and talking and talking and talking. I'm thinking, what is so complicated about this request? Just can you sing a song? And they went back and forth. And finally, the translator looked at me and here's what he said. He said, the pastor said, no, they cannot sing any more songs in their native language. And I said, how come? (laughs) You know what he said? He said, Dr. David, the pastor said, we only have two songs in our language. These people, Randy, were so new in the faith. They only had two songs. And I I sat there thinking there was a day in the English language, if you go back far enough, we we as a people only had two songs. They were so new, so fresh. They only had two songs. And then it hit me. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of villages just like that one all over the world where they not only don't have two songs, they don't even have one song. They don't even have one new song that's been placed in their hearts because nobody has ever told them. One day the church will get it right. One day, everyone will have heard. Matthew 24 says, the gospel will be preached in all nations, and then the end will come. And at some point, you and I, North Florida Baptists, we will find ourselves in a throne room with people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And it will no longer just be a vision that John saw. It will be reality. Oh, what a day that will be. When my Jesus, I shall see. I'm going to look on his face. The one who saved me by his grace takes me by the hand, leads me to the promised land. What a day. Oh, what a day. What a day of glory. Amen? My question, who's in? You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.